Guess what, Brooke? Should I ask? Have you heard that ProApps and Graphics have jumped on board this season as a sponsor? Really? They wrap race cars, right? Yeah, and also corporate vehicles too. Hang on, I'm checking out their website. Damn, these wraps are sexy. You should get your Formula Ford wrapped here. Already booked. For those in need of a new wrap on their car, ProApps is offering $200 off motorsport wraps if any listeners mention on the couch with Hooli. That's a pretty sweet deal for those with an open wheeler, tin top, prod sports, GT, and anything motorsports related, really. Sure is. Check out the show notes for further details on the Catch with Hooli fans. We would also love to thank our major sponsor, Thrifty Car Rental, for supporting the show this season. You will hear more about them in future episodes. G'day, I'm Dan Hooley-Hollihan and welcome to my motorsports podcast up on the Couch with Hooley Season 2, which is more than just a motorsports podcast. My guests are from all sides of the track, eras and personalities. You will meet some who have spent their careers chasing the dream to those who have only just touched on it and went on to aspiring journeys. We learn their stories beyond the helmet. On today's episode, we've got none other than the inspiring Jessica Nicholson. She's recently made a name for herself, becoming a race director for the Toyota 86 Racing Series. She's known for being more than an official, including being a rally navigator, raced in sports sedans, and is an advocate for women in motorsports. So, let's hear her racing journey. And welcome to On the Couch with Hooli. For our next episode, we've actually got Jess Nicholson on the couch. Jess, you are my most feared official, but one of my most favorite officials. You've been in this game for a long time, and I thought I'd bring you onto the couch just to let everyone know what you're about. So just tell us what you're about. Oh, thanks, Dan. Thanks for for a warm welcome. I don't know if I should be feared. I mean, I always like to be approachable. But, yeah, we have to have that authority. You know, we're all about the rules. And we like to, you know, ensure that the rules are upheld mm. and make sure that everyone's doing the right thing. And when they're not, you know, if you breach a rule, we have to do an investigation and, and we go through it. But, yeah, no, I've been in motorsport for a long time now. It's been over 10 years. I, I don't know if I fell into it. I've always, oh, if you, even if you can say that these days, I've always been into the boy stuff. So mm. I always, when I was little, I used to follow Dad around. He was a cabinet maker. I used to always do stuff with him building things with hands on, you know, getting into – I used to hold the nail um, bag and he'd give him the hammer and I was the gopher always. Mm. And then I became a cabinet maker with him but I didn't really like it too much. And then my first boyfriend was a mechanic and then that was it. I, the car bug bit me. Yeah. And from there on I've just always loved cars and I've had high-performance street cars. And then I was like, mm, this is getting a bit too risky on doing stuff <laughs> on the streets. <laughs> Not that we did anything dangerous but yeah. it was just, you know, I, I wanted to be – bit more in the controlled environment and then yeah got into the sort of motorsport side of things found the circuit and became an official and the rest is history really yeah so you were talking about your first boyfriend we don't know if they mentioned his name or not but <laughs> but what, what do you remember his first car and like that first like adrenaline buzz from cars that you got yeah it was a Cortina a Cortina and it caught on fire when we were ta- when he was taking me home to yeah. meet my parents and the whole floor pan caught on fire because he put the exhaust too close to the floor pan yeah. and it started melting and heating up and yeah there was a hole in the floor pan when we rocked up to my parents <laughs> and um we'll talk a bit off air where does where does your parents live and where were you where did you grow up in sydney adelaide Ad, oh you grew up in yeah, adelaide I'm okay from adelaide yeah. okay cool yeah. so with adelaide there was the grand prix back then when you were growing up was yeah. it was it still there it was and dad used to watch it and we used to watch it even when it was overseas you'd heat up parties and all the guys would come over and stay up late and mum would cook food to put on for the Formula One. But I wasn't really into the Formula One. I got into the the, sort of the drifting when I was in Adelaide and then the street, like the high-performance Jap street cars, and that's where I really found, you know, the circuit sort of stuff because I turned up to Malala and they were doing a drift event. Yeah, right. And is that kind of how you kind of fell in love with the World Time Attack stuff too through Ian Baker? Is that how that kind of coincided? Yeah, I just love that event. That's (laughs) that event is just off the charts. It's so cool and so out there and just so new and fresh. Yeah. And yeah, I've always have I've always loved Jap performance cars. Like I've had a 180SX, I've had uh R32 GDR, we've had R33 GDRs, like it's yeah. it's a 
It's definitely something I love. And um, all my mates had cars, so we used to go on cruise with them as well. When we went using ours, I'd jump into one of theirs and, yeah, you'd be sort of swapping cars. Yeah. I had Ian here on season one, but he was obviously quite busy setting up that, that event that you potentially looked after with everyone else, yeah. that, that small group of people. Can you actually explain from like 2019 through 2020 and 2021 to get it all going again? Oh, it was just more trying to get the content. So Baker's all about getting really good content for the fans and it mm. is and it is a show. Like we, we say even Supercars is a show, but Time Attack is a show. Like, it, yes, it's a motorsport event, but it's more show, like bringing content, getting that cool stuff here so you can feel it and touch it and smell it and see it yeah. right in front of you. It's all about that. Yeah. What's your favourite? Is the drifting your favourite part of the event or is it the main event where they where – The like, pro cars. The pro cars. Yeah, the off-the-charts spaceships that <laughs> just come out of the garage and then just do a massive – crazy lap and you just go how did they do that and stay on the track you know like how (laughs) do you have any particular car that you like like is there any like is it the Porsche that Bart drives or is there just one or you just like like love all of it just love the whole the whole event just the vibe just the minute you get out of the even out of because I like to try to get out of race control to go for a bit of a walk I never get to the show and shine I never get to see it yeah (laughs) but I know that it's amazing and there's heaps of cars that are always there but I never get over there but yeah just the complete vibe and just the amount of people that are walking around and just their faces in there or they're just, you know, the mouth's open. They're just like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of what with Brooke, when she came to see me at the track, she's like, how do you fit in that thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously with the, with that um, World Time Attack event, you've obviously liked, you want to see the show on shine and stuff like that, but Will Baker now, after hearing this, maybe potentially give you a bit of a break, or do you? Is it when you hop into that box, that's it for the day? And you oh, don't get we, any- we work. There's a big team, so we all work coincidentally. And I've even got um, officials under me, so I've got clerks, of course, that are uh, different titles, but they're they're equi- equivalent to me. So if I walk out the door, I I don't have to worry. They they do everything like I would do it. So. We have a quite a large team that helps us make that event successful and I've got a really good officials base that know and love and have the passion for that event to to make it work how it's meant to work. And a bit about a bit of your background on your family. You're saying that your dad, you know, was kind of the one that got you into cars and what like that and your family. Do you have any brothers or sisters or anything? Yeah, I've got yep. a younger brother and younger sister. Yep. And yeah, my sister Janice is younger than me and then my brother Tim's younger again and yeah nothing they're not into cars it's just me I'm just the loony in the in the family <laughs> that kind of got bitten by the bug and <laughs> I'm all out on the limb on my own yeah. and they get it they kind of get it they they know that I really love it and they know that I'm like into it quite severely yeah. and I travel a lot for it and yeah, it's something that I love to do and they just accept that. Do they still live in Adelaide? Yep. They all they all still live in Adelaide. Yeah, I can't stand the place in the <laughs> sense of it's too now that I live in Sydney, it's too quiet. Like I go yeah. there and it's just not a lot to do and everything shuts early and I don't know. Like the circuits are great over there. I still haven't been to the bend. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna try to get there sometime in the next couple of years. We'll just see what happens. But yeah, I just, yeah, I love Sydney. Once I started living here, that's it. I can't go back. Obviously, a lot of people know that your husband races and he got you the bug and he's the man who fixes everything, right? Yeah. How did you meet Dave? Like, Dave, did, is, was there any background story to that? Was yeah, it, it's was, tragic at, it? at the racetrack. At the racetrack. <laughs> well, it's even more tragic, actually. I was working for rally school. I was helping them out. So I was, because um, I wanted to get into motorsport and I'm actually divorced. So when I went through my divorce here in Sydney, I didn't go back to Adelaide. I stayed. Mm. And then I was trying to find my identity and where I fit into motorsport. And I started just branching out. So I joined a car club, got into that, had an R32 GDR that I was still using and they were helping me out trying to, you know, do track days and bits and pieces. And then I got into the rally side of things. I kind of fell into that because a couple of the car club guys knew some people and they said, Jess, maybe come out and help at rally school if you like rally. And that's where he met me because he knew the owner. So he was like, hang on a minute, who's this bird that keeps hanging around? Yeah. You know, and he was like asking around about me. (laughs) (laughs) And then I worked out that he had a really cool car because he had the R32 GDR at that stage. Yeah. So I started hanging around checking out the R32 GDR because I had one. Yeah. And he thought I was hanging around for him. I'm like, no, I'm hanging around for the car. (laughs) But all these pit crew were like, oh, this girl's like, 
Lofty, you know, this girl's coming around to see you <laughs> and they were giving him shit. And I'm just like not oblivious because yeah. I'm like I want to know about the car because I've got one, you've got a race car. Yeah. And, yeah, the rest was kind of history. That was it. it kind of. Yeah. I know we just he pursued me and we had coffee and that yeah. was it. And did you tell him at all? Like, listen, I was actually just coming to. Yeah. <laughs> or is this the first time? Oh, so you've actually told him this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're very honest with each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he knows all the stories. I yeah. love that. You're like, I chose the car first, then you. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's great. Of, I don't know. I, I even back when I was like checking out the the state level racing and stuff. Like, I used to just turn up just to be a part of it and see it. And most of the car club guys were racing. So, you know, you do something on the weekend because I was still trying to find myself after my divorce. And then, yeah, they all think that, you know, you're coming around the garage checking them out. And I'm like, no, I'm, yeah. literally, I'm literally coming to check out the cars. I yeah. don't really care about yeah. you. I'm just going through a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> Not interested in guys right now. <laughs> the male's hormones are thing and it's all about me. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. back then, I mean... It's a bit sad, but back then there wasn't a lot of girls hanging around the racetrack, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't a thing where now... 50-50, you know, you wouldn't even know. But yeah. 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 Can you actually a bit explain about that? Because obviously I was a kid when you, were, when you were talking about that back then. Can you actually explain like how you've seen it change through yeah. diversity? Yeah. I mean, the official side of thing has definitely changed leaps and bounds because back when I started, hey, there wasn't a lot of females. It was seriously male dominated and not in a bad way. It was just more guys didn't. It was like more seen to be a guy thing than a girl thing. But then it kind of crept in and then there was me hanging around and then there was others and then when you, you know, you, you go to different events and you go to different car club stuff and then you start talking to the wives and, you know, the kids and all that sort of stuff and you sort of branch out and then you, I also love social media and I use it as a networking tool quite heavily mm. and I, I used to always put up on my social media sort of channels that, you know, I'm here, I'm there, I'm hanging around doing this. So then that branches out and just word of mouth really. Mm. And now, especially at Wakefield, we have 50-50 split mm. majority of the time, if not sometimes more females than males. Mm. Do you guys like, as obviously I've known from Wakefield Park, do you guys actually hang outside of the track or do your own like little thing? So you like to, to stay like a tight knit, you know, like you got the big teams like Brad Jones and all that and yeah. even my team, my race team. Do you guys essentially stay your own team and go out to dinners and have your own Christmas party and that or is that? Oh, we do mostly of that stuff at the track, but if we do have a chat group that we stay connected with and we're always, you know, uploading something or sharing some sort of attachment or some story or telling somebody some sort of news. So we're very tight knit in that regard. But when we go to a different circuit, so if we're at Bathurst mm. and there's a Bathurst event on and there's Wakefield people, cause we, I don't know, mm. we've all, we all pick a side apparently. Yeah. If there's Wakefield people there, we all congregate at a campsite every, every night and they all come from everywhere to come and hang. And then others go, hang on a minute. Why, why are they all hanging out together? Who are they? Yeah. So then we get all these, we call them randoms, yeah. but different people that come. <laughs> Sounds like the set of Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. But, yeah, we have Camp Old Mate, so. Yeah, right. And especially at Bathurst. But any any event, we all try to congregate together so and, and catch up with each other. Yeah. What's it, for being like an official and going through all the ranks, do you do you preferably prefer like the one-time thing like the World Time Attack or do you prefer like the state meeting? Do you, do you, is there one particular event that you like to constantly work at that gives you a good vibe or is it to you all the same? I, I love all of them. You love all of them. I do love Time Attack because that's quite close to my heart and I was there from the, for the start and then I had to sort of go off and get different training to continue on with it. That's why I didn't do it all of the years. But that's how you how you grow and, you know, the journey continues for you. But, mm. yeah, I was there from the start and now I'm back there for hopefully not the end because we've he's he signed up with um to, to keep it going. So mm. we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> keep him happy, see if he wants to keep me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> are, are you still involved in rally school or is that – gone now well my car's got rally school up the side of it so ruby's decorate decorated in rally school sort of colors and yeah, yeah she's she's kind of because the engine and gearbox came out of a rally school car yeah so that's okay. why i have rally school up the side but yeah we know the owner quite well and yeah he, he we they talk they dave and mick talk quite often and i i still see other people that work at rally school when we catch up so yeah i was just generally asking that because you never know with covid if they're you know, gone under or whatnot. No, no, they're <laughs> yeah. still around. Yeah. yeah, cool. 
Um, so you with Wakefield Park, you that is obviously people know that you've stood up for that track for many, many years, <laughs> yeah. and we want it all back because we now have one track in Sydney. Yeah, no. um, for Wakefield Park, obviously you said not even just getting into the politics. What made you fall in love with the place? Like you've said it on social media, but to hear it on a podcast is a different story. Do you know what I mean? So what makes what made you just fall in love with it? Was it just you turning up and that was your first racetrack that you drove at, or was it? just the atmosphere or the people around? No, it was the actual opportunity. So within officials, um, we've even been an official, there's politics, right? Mm. And not so much male-dominated, but it just there's roadblocks all the way through and you've got to constantly prove yourself and if people don't feel that you're good enough or they want you or that they're, you know, they don't want to move aside and there's no succession planning, you need to branch out, you need to go elsewhere and Wakefield Park gave me that opportunity. So they saw me at World Time Attack because Baker even gave me an opportunity mm. to be a clerk, of course. So that's quite, you know, throwing myself in the deep end going, I've got to prove myself here. And I learned from my mistakes throughout the years. Not doing anything dangerous or anything wrong. It's just mm. you you evolve your style and, and how you come across and how you conduct meetings. And also with recruitment as well, like you're not – trying to run it all yourself because then you start recruiting a team and then you have a team under you that you work quite well with and you get it on with and then you can delegate. You don't have to do it all yourself, you know. Yeah. You can sort of delegate and then they learn and grow as well. But, yeah, it was more the opportunities. Wakefield actually gave me the opportunities, let me be a clerk course continuously, yep. let me um, run their events and it is quite full on because I was really the first female doing state round sort of level meetings and even national level meetings for a venue mm. for for a couple of years, like when I first started out. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I love Wakefield because that that track gave me the opportunity. Yeah, and having the experience racing as well, did that give just the, the, that bit of extra knowledge just in case someone came up to argue a point? <laughs> My husband always helps me see the other side yeah. of an argument. <laughs> and I do love to run through scenarios with him yeah. to understand it. But now when I've been driving, I get it. Like yeah. I get it so much more. And look, officials don't need it, mm. but I find it helps me a, a lot more, even being a female, not that yeah. I should say that, but even being a female to understand their side of it and understand how the situation can unfold and then turn either way, you know. And that, yeah, it's never, I've never found malice. That's yeah. the, that, and that's the other thing. I've never felt in a situation that I've ever been threatened in my whole career, no matter how angry the driver has been, I've never felt fearful of that situation or that I can't be in a room with that person on my own. Yeah, so you never felt like intimidated just because you're a female like being the referee essentially? Yeah, no, because I think, I think I came across so firm, <laughs> so strong. That's not a bad thing though. I was saying that to Brooke off air. Like I said, like <laughs> she is literally like I'm going to interview the female Michael Massey. Like she just, it's the stern word goes. But I if think, I get a penalty, I get a penalty. That's yeah. that's it. I don't I don't get it fought back. That's it. I'm but, at rear the grid. First of all, I think it's not just in that position, whether you're a man or a woman, you have to be stern in those positions because in any refereeing spot, it's just people need to listen to you. And you see that in a lot of sports. But I was going to ask, have you ever seen that you – Do you, have you ever thought you got a little bit, say, more pushback than, say, um, the other male officials because you were female or was it just you felt it was equal anyway, it wouldn't have mattered? Oh, you just – whenever you have a new driver that hasn't been to New South Wales mm-hmm. events before and hasn't seen you before, yeah. 100%, they mm-hmm. like to badger, they like to argue, they're like, nah, you've got it wrong, I've got all the evidence, where the guys – well, the drivers that have seen me over and over and over the years, if they they know, and I try to, I really do try to be fair. I, I want to be a fair, and I'm always open to listening. Like I'm always opening, open to. I'll see your footage. I want to hear your side of the story. But yeah, once once a breach has been established, like hmm. there's rules that we have to implement, and I can actually get in trouble from the stewards. I can get charged from the stewards for not applying the penalty or not. Not following not through on the investigation. Yeah, we, oh, wow. we yeah, we're all policed. It's yeah. not just oh. oh just making up stuff and <laughs> she goes to the stewards and you know yeah. like if, if we go, Oh no, we don't want to put that, you know, that breach through, they'll go, Well, Jess, you know, you're in breach of your conduct. So yeah. we're gonna charge you now. And I'm like 
So for those listening, what does that mean when they say they charge you? So what does that involve? Well, then I have to go through the investigation of why I didn't do it and then you're kind of tarnished. Mm-hmm. And then also you, you can get your licence suspended. Like they can take my licence away from me depending on how severe the breach and, and how severe the situation is of you not applying the penalty. Like, you know, there's no favouritism. You can't have favouritism in this in this. Yeah. Sort of thing. So yeah, yeah it is. Look, it doesn't happen very often, and yeah. I, in my whole career, I haven't seen it happen. But it is, it is definitely there that the stewards can charge me for not applying yeah. the, the penalty or if there's an established breach mm. and we've gone through the investigation. Yeah. Wow, that's actually interesting because I was going to actually say a bit later, but what what was your take on the Michael Massey situation? I'm not knowing that because I just thought he was just the head man who makes up the rules and that was it. So for his point of view, if you were in his position, how would have he felt now knowing that? Do you know what I mean? Is that why he got pushed out and felt so Oh, it was so political um, and we don't know the, the true ins and outs of everything. Mm. Um, he, he had to make a decision and, and sometimes you have to make a split, a split second decision and, and the worst thing that you can do is not make a decision. That's from all of our training that we get is do you have to make some sort of decision. If, if it's good or bad, doesn't matter in the sense of it's it's worse to not make a decision. So I just I was just so upset with the way that he went out and I was upset to see the fans, you know, and him being sort of abused and, and I don't know, worried about him himself, you mm. know, like – he, he couldn't walk out the door without being, you know, mm. abused or or, or attacked. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a lot, a lot what happens, now, especially with social media, because a lot of keyboard warriors, and I think that's what we had a question, was because you are, would be on social media and you're in this position, do you find if you make a call in a certain race or something happens, you later get from fans, do they come at you through social media with just attacks or so forth in there? Or is that something that you haven't had to deal with at this stage? I haven't had to deal with that at this stage. I've never really been attacked over social media. I've had certain drivers do different sort of posts and then you sort of reach out to them to go, I want to understand a bit more. But my husband always says, don't look at social media after an event, just let it go because people write things in the heat of the moment. And I don't know, once you get behind a keyboard, you think you can say anything you like. When If you're actually saying that to somebody's face, they wouldn't wouldn't do it. So... No, I haven't had that situation yet, which I'm grateful for, but I'm sure with my career, if it continues on and you go into the higher level events, mm. then there is that element that does come into it, which is sad because it shouldn't, but we're so ably yeah. accessible now, aren't we? Yeah. Are you, are you on now at the moment? You're looking after the Toyota E6 series. and What other, what other classes are you looking after in the supercar ranks? Is it just the 86 series or Yeah, just more? so we get appointed to one category mm. and we look after that category for the whole year for consistency. So I'm the Toyota Gazoo um, Racing Series, 86 Racing Series Race Director. It's a very long title. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm the Race Director, which is basically a clerk, of course, for that category. Yeah. So you work with the clerk, of course, for each event, but you're driving consistency yeah okay have you had any slip-ups or anything happen like like that as you said like do you you just cool down because it's like they're tense because it's a national meeting do you get a lot of adrenaline pumping into your into the box when they've done something wrong oh yeah because you want to see them go round and round you know like I don't like racing under safety car it's one of my pet hates but it's there it's it's a thing that we use it's a tool that we have to use but it'd be nice if they could just went round and round Mm. and do green laps and that's what we're trying to establish and look it's it's Different drivers, they come through the through the ranks, through the years, you know, and it's not always going to be the same drivers driving in that category because it's a development series. So you'll have them for a couple of years and then they'll progress on to something else. So mm. it's just trying to drive, you know, green laps. That's yeah. what I'm all about, green laps. <laughs> not wanting any yellow flags or no. any bad sportsmanships. <laughs> <laughs> um, with, with that type of stuff though is are you looking obviously towards the supercar? Would you like to be in the supercar ranks, like go further up? Oh, yeah, or even international. So I'd really like to do some international events. That's what my next goal is, but that would be a fair few years away because it's just training and and getting into that that sort of level of event. So now that I'm with the National Series, definitely getting into that sort of mentality and and the training and learning and observation because every round is quite different. Like the Townsville round with the street circuit, 
that was quite daunting but quite different for me because I'm so used to permanent circuits and not doing, you know, the the street circuits. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's just learning. And, yeah, I mean, once you sort of establish that that's something that you want, it is it is possible but you've got to work towards it and it doesn't happen overnight. It's it's years. If you could be in any category overseas, where would you love to be? Any Anything, to be completely honest, but the Asia series would be the best. Mm-hmm. I've seen that Thailand Super Series and they, that looks mint. And then the Asia Porsche Carrera Cup, that looks amazing too. But just any of those circuits, you know, Singapore, Thailand, just – any anything overseas for me would be amazing, but that's something that I'm working to, and we'll just see what opportunities open up. Because it's not just something that you can walk into; you've got to sort of network and work towards that sort of goal and get there, and then also be ready. Like I need to be ready for international level sort of events and be confident with myself. and And that's why it's taken ten years to get to where I am now, just to do national. Yeah, and that's pretty full on. So I can't even believe what international <laughs> would be like. I'll be like this, with the eyes open, just taking it all in. <laughs> do you have to do more training if you go overseas? Does it change, like in terms of it? Yeah, yeah. FIA rules are quite different. Mm-hmm. So, and then even international sort of sporting rules within the different. Um, countries but even the different series so there's just a lot of reading and a lot of understanding but then also just how the different crews and teams and emergency departments sort of work and even race control just how that's all set up like you just need to gradually sort of get yourself accustomed to it before you can full-blown do anything over there, I reckon. Yeah, cool. but we'll get there. We'll strive to it. We'll see what we can do. You've got to always push the envelope. No, so. I love it. I can't wait to see you over there doing it. I think it's <laughs> yeah. going to be amazing. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what I I had a young kid, Leo, come into my pits the other day and he was eager to get into motorsport. And this is pretty much like a basic question for most people, but for someone listening who's never been involved in motorsport, what's the best way to get into like officiating to or into the scene? What What's the – What's the best advice that you could give, give just to get them into the sport? Just turn up to the event, find the event secretary or find somebody in some sort of official attire and just start talking to them and asking them the questions and they'll definitely point you in the right direction because we're all about recruiting. We want more people. We need more people. Mm. And and it seem, I, I hope it doesn't, but it seems that it's like a bit of a dying breed with the younger generation mm. because they don't understand that, what, I have to stand out there for eight hours and I don't get paid? What do you mean? I just get a lunch, really? Yeah. Like there's no real break or, or such. But it is what is so rewarding once you start and like most of us, the bug bites us and then that's it. And then the friendships that you find along the way, it's just incredible. And you're all like-minded. Like it's really hard for me to have normal, normal non-motorsport friends. I don't really have a lot of them because yeah. – they don't get it. <laughs> they don't understand, life, yeah. My whole life revolves around most sports. So yeah. it's like, what else do you talk about? <laughs> you, you're actually saying um, with your, your, your Ruby, your car, and with your sports and ends, yeah. you, did you build that or was it with, built with your, your husband? <laughs> Dave, it, yeah, Dave, Dave built it. Dave built it. You, did you help out building it though? Were you, I tried. Were you, I yeah. tried, but Dave's very um, – <laughs> he's got a path and once he decides the path, that's it, you get a little bit of say i paid for it that's all okay I well, hey that's contributing <laughs> i was gonna say this reminds me of someone else over here once he sets his mind to it especially anything to do with motorsports no one else exists yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is quite funny because um when i did my first track day in it so we started testing it um dave did a couple of events in it first just to see you know iron out all the bugs but when i got in it um he didn't build it for me and it was quite apparent that he didn't build it for me because when I got into the driver's seat and I built it up, I couldn't reach anything. I couldn't reach the start button. I couldn't reach the blinkers. I couldn't turn my lights on. And I'm like, babe, like, <laughs> he's like, okay, I'll have to fix that. Oh, so, I forgot something. Hang on, my wife. So he had to, he had to move the start button because it was all on the dash. He had to move it all to the um, sort of where the gear column is and just behind that he had to move all the buttons. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's my car. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> I need to be able to reach everything. Wow. Yeah, so, so he was like a bit, oh, okay, I'll have to change that just for you. And I'm like, well, I've got short arms. He's probably got- looking at your arms thinking, I wonder if I can extend those. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, no, no, we'll change. You change. I'm like, how am I going to change? Yeah. You change the car to suit me. It's not your car. You've got yours. So yeah. funny. Was there, funny. was there any preferences, as you said, like what Brooke said with my car, was there any preferences where you wanted that? Did you specifically say I want this here though? Because drivers are like that, right? Did you say I want this 
you know, near the gear stick and all that? And- no, he, he established because it's the easiest of running the wires. So when you sit around workshops watching guys for long periods of time, you, you really pick up a lot of different things on, on how the mechanics of the car work and what's the easiest path and bits and pieces. So, yeah, no, that was the easiest path with the wiring. Mm. But he did actually put in a data point in the dash and he put it right in the middle of the dash, right in the way, and I just cracked it. I was like, no, I don't want it there. And he's like, no, no, that's where it's going. And no, I'm like, I want it over there. And he goes, no, this is not about you. And I'm like, it's my car. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was always those little arguments along the way. I had to pay for a new dash implant panel yeah. because he drilled a hole in it and he had. He was like, no, I'm not moving it. I'm like, well, I'm going to buy a new panel and you're moving the data point over there. So now he has to reach into the car to do his data <laughs> with, the, with the cable. And I'm like, oh, well. You know, sounds that's like a living situation. <laughs> well, it was. Yeah. It looked ugly. I'm like, I, no, I'm not having that. Yep, I totally understand. It's a much this. better place now. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you done many of like driver databases? A bit slow with their results, but have you done many? I've seen recently, like over the last few years, you have done a few events. But do you race? As often as you do, as as much as you want, or you just go more on a test day? No, it's it's a bit it's a bit tricky with us because in between car racing we do home renos so we're always renovating something and when I was racing back in the day I did a whole year with Ruby and Dave also we did an enduro together it was only a one hour enduro mm. but is um, it Wakefield or Winton or was it? Wakefield okay. yeah yep. and um yeah I, I, I ran the car for a, for a year or two and just got into it because I wanted to use it but then you know the home renos got in the way so we're always like a year on year off or a couple of years on couple of years off so at the moment we moved because we've mm. got the dream house now and the dream shed where Dave's actually got his own workshop now. Yeah. And it's right down, like I can walk to it, where before we used to drive an hour one way and drive an hour back sort of thing. And if I ever wanted to see him, I had to go to the workshop because yeah. I'd never see him because he'd be there most nights until midnight. <laughs> and, you know, you pass each other in the hallway in the morning going, hi, I'm going to work. Yep, <laughs> bye, babe. <laughs> because he's that passionate about his cars. Yeah. But, yeah, now that the... The shed's just walking distance. It's brilliant. And I can see him on the cameras too. We've got cameras. That's smart. (laughs) I can see what he's up to. (laughs) Don't you put that down. (laughs) But, you know, he's getting his car ready at the moment, so he wants to run because that's the other argument that we have in the house. Who's running? Is it my year or your year? Or is it home renos? Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a yearly thing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. So he's got to bite the bullet to the side. Well, he's he's trying to get his car ready to go out because, he, he keeps saying I'm going to go and then he doesn't. I'm like, well, I'm going to use your year then. I'm going to run. <laughs> so I did run her in April. We did yeah. have some problems. She had a, we think it's a crank angle sensor issue. Mm. And this is the problem with being an official on a race car driver. Mm. Um, when you have a breakdown, they want to send everything to you. So it's like, you know, you've done this really big bad thing. So they want to send medical, they want to send recovery, all the tilt trays, you know, even the ambulance. Mm. Mm. I know and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, you're not doing that to me. So <laughs> I made sure that I was not stopping on the track. <laughs> and I didn't. And I covered my whole car with mud because I got stuck in the mud and I reversed out and I just floored it and it just got covered in mud. But, yeah, no, they weren't coming to get me. Uh, yeah. And this is the problem with being an official because then they get photos, never live it down. <laughs> never live it down that it, they came to save you. It's funny It's funny you say that because I'm – on the before that last weekend that I was racing, I ran out of fuel on the Friday, I think, and I was stuck on the track. I knew that I'd run out of fuel, and I was thinking, "Shit, I'm going to get all these people here and I've just <laughs> run out of fuel, and I'm stuck on the side of the road." And yep. they're making the big drama out of them. I'm like, "No, I'm, it's just out of fuel." Yeah, no, no, no you got to go on the ambulance. Yeah. And go to the medical. <laughs> oh, no, the worst about that is being the spectator at the top because you just don't see you come around the corner if you can't see the blind ones, like at SMP. And then yeah. we're all standing there going. Did he, did he crash? And then I'm talking to Bart on the mic. Another thing is like, can you hear him? Can you hear him? <laughs> and then they're sending everyone out just to find out you ran out of fuel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's an inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jess, what's your rally background? I didn't actually really get into that before. What's your rally background? So when I was going um, through my divorce and I was trying to find my identity, I had the silly idea of um, being a rally navigator, going how hard can it possibly be? So I found a guy in Tasmania, didn't know him from a bar of soap that was doing gravel rally and he said, yep, I'll give you a chance because pace note is quite hard to road book. So there's different rally events and they have different levels and they have different um, information within them. 
So navigators either use a road book or pace notes. And even in the pace note world, it gets quite technical. There's one to 10 or one to six or even your own. So I packed up my bags. I bought my gear knowing kind of what I needed. Went to Tasmania, met this guy, jumped in his Subaru, tried to start learning pace notes, which is very complex because you've got to start talking and reading the speed of the car and the corners coming up. So you've got to always be a step ahead. So it's quite full on you being in the car, trying to read the road, where you are in the in the pace notes. Mm. So I did a couple events with him, really got my sort of foot for it. And I loved the the gravel. It was so fun. It's like totally you get sideways and it's like drifting, but it's on gravel. Yeah. And got that and I did a couple of events down in Tasmania. And then I had the taste for it that I got into tarmac rallying. So then I got into um, being a rally navigator for the tarmac sort of stuff and I went down and did Mount Buller and I was in a R32 GDR. So here comes my high-performance Jap stuff again that I loved and that was really good fun and that was pace notes um, 1 to 10 and that was great and I was really getting a taste for it. Um, <laughs> there was one <laughs> horrible story of me yeah. learning in in a uh, twenty sorry one twenty Y in Oberon stinking hot gravel rally, idiot! I had a bacon and egg roll before I got in the car in the morning. Oh, I've done that before, but with Half, a meat pie. Halfway through the stage, I started to feel really really ill. And yeah. this guy had a, a an actual um, story that every navigator that got into his car got sick. And oh, I was no. like, rack- yep, I was, oh, I was no. the next one. <laughs> so I found there was like, I'm, I'm telling him I'm ill. He doesn't want to stop. Yeah. We're still flying through the stage. There's a plastic bag that I could see going, okay, I can't because I'm belted in. I can't puke out the window because mm. I'm belted in. I'll use this plastic bag. I puke and I, was, I wasn't actually wearing a full face helmet, thank God. It was an open face. I puked into the plastic bag and the plastic bag had a hole in it, didn't it? Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> wearing it, trying to call pace notes, feeling very, very ill, puked everywhere. The car just reeked. Yeah. Got back into service park, hosed me down, hosed the car down, go to do the stage again. Right, because I'm like, okay, I'm feeling better. I've got it all out. We'll be right. Get back in the car. Same, same spot in the stage. Starting to feel really, really ill. And again, puked <laughs> 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 all over myself. And went, you know what? Never, ever, ever again will I eat. <laughs> oh. so, so you weren't turned off rally navigating. You were just turned off no, bacon rolls. I just, I just learned the hard way of what. What you should and shouldn't do, and yep. he was he was a bad one for getting in the car with because he used to make all his nabs mm. quite ill. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was just the car setup or just how small the the wheelbase was. I don't know what it was, but it was just everybody that got into that car. But once I did tarmac rally and I had the tablets and you know you drink more water and you mm-hmm. only eat minimal food mm. that I got it. But then yeah, I actually won. We came third on one one year. Mm. So I actually got Targa dinner plate. I've actually got one of the, yeah, the plates, right. wow. which is really cool. So, yeah, yeah. and then I, I did a couple of Targa Tasmanias, but we never got to the end. It's it's quite an endurance race. So when you get the end of day five, the car would break or we just – I never got to do Queenstown or Arrowsmith or any of the big stages on the end day. But, mm. yeah, I've been in some pretty cool crashes as well. So I've been in a Porsche that went up an embankment and that – Thank God I had the hands. Man, they are the best thing ever to have the Hans device. And then in an Evo um, at 150Ks, we were supposed to turn left and we didn't. We went straight into the trees and Holy yeah, smoke. smashed it around and car complete right off. Did um, any of you two get injured or not? No. Um, you feel it in the next couple of days, but that's what all the safety gear's for, you know. Like yeah. thank God that you have all that stuff and the roll cage really held up. Because we got into a stump and smashed into the trees and it was all on my side. Mm. And the driver got up because the next car's 30 seconds on the road. Mm. I'm still dazed after the accident. And he gets up and gets out of the car and all I see coming to is like him running away from the car. And I'm like, <laughs> trying to open my door, can't open my door. I'm like, I can't get out. <laughs> so then, you, you know, because they had the rally safe and the G-forces sends the rally safe to go off to – 
um, headquarters to say that somebody's had a big accident because they can follow you on the road. It's all GPS tracked. Yeah, right. Is that kind of like a yellow flag rally safe? How does that how does that work? So it's GPS in every single car, and it's a little it's a little box. Yeah. And when it has a big impact, it'll have G force like a sensor in it. And if the impact's big enough, they'll say that it's critical, mm. and then they'll shut the stage down. So they'll shut the stage down and send all the medical and, and crews, the emergency crews in to, to check on you to make sure. Yeah, right. Well, obviously my stepdad Jeff's raced at Targa, but I've never actually got to know the actual event. So how does it actually start to finish? As you said, it never you never got to the end. So can you actually explain how it all works and why they've had, you know, times where they've had to shut the event down and yep. that type of thing? Can you explain a bit about the event? Yep. So tar- or Tarmac Rally, you, you have different stages throughout the day. And you've got a road book or, or a map that you sort of are tracking and you'll go you'll go to the stage, start the stage, go through and then you come to the end of the stage and then you go travelling basically because when you're in the stage it's all closed roads and you're racing but when you come out of it it's all normal road rules, normal speed limits, all that and then your road, you're tracking to the next stage. So you're just tracking it and then so many stages per day. And then when you come to the end of the last stage, then you come back to base, which is the service park. And that happens each day. So we move around the different areas depending on how far the, the tarmac rally is. Like Targa in Tasmania is like five days. So you're yeah. moving around Tasmania for five days. Yeah, right. So you start at the top and you come all the way down to Hobart by the end. Holy smokes. Yeah, it's an endurance yeah. race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Takes ha- a lot out of you. Do you have do you have like obviously like GT racing at different classes and is there like Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So there's like basically, you know, the the pro guys and then there's modern and then there's historic and yeah, there's lots of different levels and lots of different um categories within tar or within tarmac rally, yes. Yeah. And obviously with that you you're gonna have the dangers of obviously They've said that now target is getting too dangerous, but is there, should should there be like a licensing system to or a, or a way to navigate around, even though it is rallying, a way to navigate around those type of bad accidents or it's just in, inevitable in some ways? I mean, I think they're all still working through it to, to investigate it fully, but, I mean, the cars are quite high-powered and, and the roads are the roads. And, mm-hmm. I you know, some of these people that have lost their lives, you know, RIP, but they were – quite experienced so I don't even know if a licensing thing would would assist in that way because it's I don't know if it's a first timer versus a you know a 20 year sort of thing mm-hmm. and then even um they have like the rookie where if you're new to well when you were back then if you were new to tarmac rally or new to targa yeah. you'd only do half the course so you'd only do three days you wouldn't do the full five days because you're a rookie so you were getting yourself into it and sort of finding your feet yeah but, yeah, I don't know. They're still working through all that mm. with the tribunal and, and going through all the components of the um, investigations. So. Do they wait for the tarmac to dry or do they race at all con- all conditions? All conditions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I guess obviously some of those accidents that we've heard probably would have been through all conditions, I'd say. Yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah and okay. you just put it in the pace notes. So that's they do recce. So between before any um, tarmac event or even a gravel event, you can do recce mm. and that's you driving on – normal speeds but driving through the stages and you you can like mark your book your your pace notebook to add in any extra information that you want to give quite hard to get that information out when you're you know traveling 100 150 k's an hour because yeah. you're trying to get all the words out to tell the driver what's going on but more information is always better mm. and um with you with your boyfriend he isn't I mean, your husband, Dave, has he done many rallying or is it just you hopping in? No, but Ruby's actually Ruby. built to to do tarmac rally, yep. but he's not used to somebody constantly talking to him <laughs> <laughs> while he's driving. So he's like, I don't know if I'm going to really like this. Because even when you're pit crewing for him and he's like out there, he's like, I only want you to talk to me when I'm on straight. Don't yep. talk to me when I'm in a corner. But me, no, yep. no, no. He'll just be like, blah, 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 blah. And I'll be just like trying to work <laughs> out. Dave and um, yeah. Dan here would be a get along like a house on fire. That's Dan when he's out there. I listen to him on the radio and it's just quiet. They know it, call him the Iceman here, but they're all there just like, he just nah, doesn't want to hear a bar from anyone and he's just out in his own yeah. little world. Yeah. No, got, I don't want to hear you on the straight streets. Yeah, I get to the point now, as you've said, with drivers when you were, when you're officiating, the, the ones that come in like when I was younger with you, I was a bit more aggressive with the to trying to change the rules. But now because you, when you race for so many years, as you know, 
drivers like who made racing for 10 years or whatever just get used to it and I just go whatever I just accept the rule that's why Bart calls me the Iceman these days <laughs> I've kind of given up on everything not in, not in given up on winning but in just, just kind of just accepted it the way it is do you know what I mean because it is fun at the end of the day yeah but yeah. if there's a rule like and you you interpret it different you can always come and have a discussion yeah it's never it should never just be black and white like once they've done the investigation we've got all the evidence you've told us your side, fair enough, they've made a decision. Mm. But before that, more than welcome to come and put your side forward and show any footage that you've got. Yeah. I always love looking at footage because yeah. sometimes you don't see what you're seeing. You yeah. really, I've, I've been in that place where I've gone 100%, they've breached the rule, this is what it is, and then you've gone through two lots of footage and you get this third lot and it's a different view and you go, hang on a minute, it's not how it seems. Mm. And it wasn't. You'd go, no, there isn't any breach because of that third lot of footage. So There was one time I met Rue many years ago, you saying that, where we were under safety car and everyone was zigzagging underneath each other. This is in Phillip Island. And on the cameras around Phillip Island, they'd caught me like by the side. But what I was actually doing was just zigzagging behind the car. But they thought I went beside the car. And then I got a penalty just from that. (laughs) I just could not believe my life. (laughs) Um, So Jess, I've got to ask you about... um, like the W Series and and obviously Formula 3, Formula 2 and Jamie Chadwick, at the moment she's a lot in the news because she can't get up to F3, F2. Now it's controversial. Some people think the W Series is great for females. Some think they should just race with the boys, which is my opinion because equal equipment. The car doesn't know who's driving it at the end of the day. Do you think Jamie should have been given an opportunity in some sort of way in another series because she's just won it too many times or do you think the W Series is great just to get females on the track? I think both. And, look, it can be quite daunting going out there with the boys. As much as we say that, you know, it should be equal planes, it is quite daunting to be out there with them. But I I, I think both options are are definitely great. Like I don't have that option here in in New South Wales. Like if I want – there is no women's really series here in Australia. Mm. So if you want to run, you have to run – with the other guys but for me I mean if it was other females that would be even better because then I can compare you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. instead of comparing myself to to guys that have been doing it for a very long time so yeah yeah but you weren't intimidated at all when you went out there you just did you did you feel intimidated or not really always always you were always intimidated oh just just it's just you know you oh it's even worse for me being an official because I know all the rules so I can't do anything wrong <laughs> like you know you would never live procedure or any of that sort of stuff but I did find the rolling start quite interesting like I've never been in one before I'm very used to standing starts Mm. and I found that was like a bit whoa you know this is new and you've really got to watch what's going on and then can't see the lights and you're just waiting for something to come over the radio (laughs) to say go yeah and the lights go green do you all start I've never done it so you've actually got more experience with me than that if you do just the rolling first and then just let go let go and go from there no usually around second or third I'd be actually probably be preferred to be third but the problem is once they slow up and the lights go off on the safety car and you all bunch up then you've got to really mitigate you know where you are and accelerate brakes sort of thing because you're like all in a pack mm. and I nearly I don't want to oh, nearly you've got to watch who you're coming up to because I sort of was warming up my brakes still and I came up lights were out on the safety car I'm like okay let's form up mm. and I had to really sort of stomp on this on the brakes which aren't warm yet because yeah. you're like oh I'm nearly gonna crash into old mate in front because he hasn't gone (laughs) like he's but it is 80ks but yeah yeah, it was just an unusual and different experience for me that's all yeah you've you've obviously seen a few times the formula four guys that i race against where they just like to because they're young they don't know how to go under safety car and it just creates safety car after safety car it does yeah but i mean you don't learn unless you have practice so safety car are, are useful and we do need them and yeah people need to just get Used to it. And look, we also help sometimes over the the race receiver rate or the RMC, the race management channel, to just, you know, reiterate the rules so Mm. they do the right thing. Um, We wanted to talk about, because as you were saying, with there's having different fields for women and men. Do you see that coming into the Australian leagues anytime soon? Because we see that like in a lot of other sports, like I've competed in swimming, fight sports and everything, like you said, is there's the women's categories, the men's categories. Do you feel like they'll start to bring that in if we've got more women joining the sport? So then women might not feel as intimidated and have their own series here in Australia and then be able to sort of then go over to racing with the men as well? Yeah, I mean, it would be lovely for for it to happen, but I don't think there's enough female drivers. That's the other component. Like, 
we're sort of scattered throughout the different series and even the different levels, but I don't think that there's actually physically enough of us. And then it'd be, I would presume it'd be like a one make series. So then you'd have to buy that car where, I don't know, I want, I want to race Ruby. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. Yeah. Um, You're a part of race chicks and girls on track. Is there ways that they're now trying to get more girls interested to come into the sports? Cause I said to Dan, when I was growing up, that really wasn't, an option that I saw around. I know we've got also the barriers to entry with money, which men, women, everyone faces, no matter who you are. But um, is there more pathways being introduced to the young girls and that coming in to be able to see the options? Oh, 100%. So with the FIA um, Girls on Track, which I'm an ambassador for, it's just an, it's a really great networking program. And the mentors and even the people that you know they meet, it just opens up all these different doors that they would never have been able to open before or even know that they're even there to open so the program's going really really well and it's really kicking off and it goes throughout the different states and yes it's definitely giving lots more opportunity and networking and also confidence to anybody that kind of comes through the program that there is an avenue and you can progress and you can get anywhere you want to go if you want if you really want to get there and even the race chicks that's more women with cars Mm -hmm. and then wanting to get into it but not knowing how to like track days and state level racing and super sprints and all that sort of stuff so that's a really good networking um event as well because that really gives you the opportunity to go okay this event and this is how you enter and this is what you need to do and this is all the stuff you need to buy like the attire Mm -hmm. and the boots and the helmet and the bits and pieces and yeah it gives them I don't know self-esteem to to get into it and then it's not as hard as you think because everyone thinks that it's so expensive and it's so hard where it's not it's not actually that expensive it's it's money but Mm. it's not as expensive as it can be like it's up to you how much you want to spend and if you've got a budget you can definitely race on a budget yeah and I guess it depends like what category you're in and that yeah and what level event you want to do like super sprints or hill climbs or motocarnas oh motocarnas are the best fun (laughs) there's so much fun on a skid pan and everyone's like really first gear just going around some cones oh it's wicked (laughs) can you actually explain a bit about motocarnas because Motocana, I've never done that. So, yeah. Well, what what do you do when you turn up? Like, I don't understand. I just, <laughs> I just read it and I'm like, it, which is what you said, turn up in first game. I'm like, oh, it doesn't interest Yeah, so we have disposable cars. So we had, oh, this is sad, Moldy Mo. <laughs> yeah. So she was a $200 little Nissan Pulsar thing. Mm-hmm. And she, we, she'd we, she been left out in the rain, so that's why she was moldy. Yeah. But she was um, an automatic and we just left it in first gear. So you just enter. It's like going to a super sprint or a track day mm. and all you do is enter it and it can't be like a full-blown high-powered car mm. but it can be sort of any kind of car but it's all in first gear they set out different um plots or different tracks and you sort of just beat the clock mm. so but yeah it's really good fun and it's and it's technical and it's car control mm. and it, yeah it's good it's good fun i've got some great like videos of, of it <laughs> <laughs> i think that sounds great and it's also not as intimidating especially for women who wanted to come in and try something just you yeah. know as it gets started as well yeah, yeah it's fast well it's first gear fast and you use the handbrake mm-hmm. and stuff but you sort of go out of a gate do the course and come back into a gate and you, yeah you're on the clock and sometimes yep. you're competing against somebody else that's doing the same course yep. or you could just be doing it against yourself okay yeah but it's 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 technical too because you've got to sort of remember the plot and remember where to go and yep. you're trying to be fast and then you know the girls are screaming in the car laughing and giggling and you're trying to concentrate like it's the best fun <laughs> I love it <laughs> I'm loving the sound of this <laughs> what about what about hill climbs because again I haven't done hill climbs either is that is that just literally just up a hill but go as fast as possible and beat the clock? There's different tracks. So mm. Mount, um, Mount Panorama or the Bathurst Light Clark Club do one that goes backwards, so up the, the back end. Yep. And that's really quite daunting and quite fun. But then there's even the one that's um, down Wollongong, which is Huntley, and that's like 30 seconds and that's up sort of a, a hill with a track with some trees beside it. But, yeah, that's all good fun. And, and yeah, you can take anything. Like you can take your Motocana car to that or – you can take something a bit more serious, like it's up to you. Mm. But we, I, I've always liked the circuit stuff, me, to be yeah. completely honest. Mm. Do you and Dave have pets at home or is it just the cars that are the pets? No, no, I have cats. You have cats. You're a, you're a cat person. I am a cat person. Any to- What's the top of cat? Oh, they're just domestic, but they're very <laughs> obedient and they I take them for walks around the property. They actually walk with me. Really? Oh, yeah, That's not a- on a leash. Like they just yep. follow me around and, yeah, they're like security cats and they come and check the perimeter and, you know, because we are on five acres now, so – 
yeah, they they yeah, I take them for walks. Wow, that's actually really impressive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're obedient. I'm very authoritative <laughs> too, as I say. Goes from the racing to the cats. <laughs> it does, and they love it. Yeah. And yeah. you you're obviously known sometimes for your cooking on like social media and Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I had to ask this. Did you was this is, was this just a rumor or were you actually like applying to be a master chef? No, they approached me. They did. They yeah. generally approached you yeah. to be a master chef. Yeah. Well, no, no. So this is my kitchen rules. Oh, my kitchen rules. My okay. kitchen rules. Yeah. No, master chef haven't approached me, but I'm interested if they are. But oh, well, <laughs> everybody <laughs> listening. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So my kitchen rules because I I can't help myself. I post on different uh, groups and there's cooking groups and yeah, they sort of go through those groups to see who's regularly posting and then, you know, it's all about presentation as well. But mm. And I try to have pretty plate. So mm. the food is tasty but it also looks good on the plate. So, mm. yeah, it's just something to be in, into because when COVID hit, like I've always had a um, – like I've always liked cooking but when COVID hit, when you're stuck at home and doing nothing, like you need to focus and there's no motorsport, like everything stopped. I needed to focus on something. So, yeah, got into the barbecue and got into all these different – sort of harder sort of meals to cook and, yeah, poor Dave, he, we've stacked on the kilos a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was COVID and – Needs a bigger rice seat. <laughs> do, you have, do you have any particular – is it American barbecue that you like cooking the most or – Oh, just everything. I just like trying different meals and mm. trying to get them on cue and, like, you know, to, to taste the same as what you'd get in a, in a restaurant. That's probably striving too hard but – I like to push myself, so. What what made you decline my kitchen rules? Was it because of the car racing that you were going to miss out or? No, because like it's filming? all about the drama. It's not actually about yeah. the food. Yeah, like, right. And I'm not a drama sort of person. Like I'm very, you know, straight down the line and honest and I don't like a lot of drama. Like I tell, we talk, you know, mm. like you talk it out or you have, if you have an issue, you talk to people. Yeah. I don't like <clears throat> all the drama. So that's why it wouldn't really work for me and we Probably don't. I don't know. They like to have a little bit of alcohol, and once I have a few drinks in me, the <laughs> more truth comes out. So <laughs> it'll be entertaining, but yeah. I don't think I want to see myself in that light. Yeah, I'll, I, not many people know this, but I've actually had been working on TV sets recently, and I do understand because I can't say because under NDA which sets I've been on. But yeah, you're right. The it does happen. Yeah. So obviously, with that, you you saw what was coming. You saw the light, and you were like, "I'm not going to get involved in that," and I just want to stick to my cooking. But would you prefer the other show that I mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, MasterChef. Yeah, but I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Mm. And I, you need to really sort of be focused on that where my focus is always motorsport and unless I was going to give up motorsport and then focus on being like MasterChef, mm. you know, or, or getting into that sort of realm, I don't think I could do both. Yeah, yeah. So who's Dave raced against? Well, the best one is Leanne Tander because um, she had an RX-7 improved production car mm. and Dave had the little blue starlet, which is quite famous if anybody actually knows improved production quite well. Yeah. And they raced, um, he raced the series because he was, you know, trying to win the championship and he went to the nationals. And I can tell you what, once she got in front, that was it because Dave actually used to go up against, you know, big V8 supercar sort of, Cars, you know, mm. built built well, but lots of power. And here's this little dainty Toyota Starlet. <laughs> he'd go around them like they were standing still. But Leanne was definitely one that he couldn't get past. He was. They tried, and there's some great footage I've I've seen of in car of him trying to get around Leanne. And nah, she she makes the car so wide and knows exactly where to put it. And I think she might have had some training from her husband. <laughs> <laughs> because Dave is quite a fierce opponent when mm. when racing, and he knows all the tricks of the trade because he's been around for over 20 years and he loves it. But, yeah, he, <laughs> he met his match that day <laughs> with Leanne. Is there, is there any other drivers that he's raced against or was it mainly Leanne, was it? Mainly Leanne and then there was Ray Hislop. But yep. there's, there's been quite a few over the years because, again, through the different um, years, different guys come in and out of the series sort mm. of thing. But, yeah, he loves improved production. But he's actually changed his car now. He, she's now a hybrid, so she's more of a sports sedan, the starlet. Yeah. And I actually have a horrible name for her. What's the name? Well, I call she's the mistress because he's always spending time on her, right? <laughs> you had to get that mistress her. closer in that garage. Yeah. yeah. He's always spending time with her. So I call her the fat bitch because she weighs more than me. So. <laughs> uh, and now you got cameras on her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why Ruby's the pretty one and yeah. the big, you know, V8 sort of <laughs> boys yeah. cover is mine. Yeah. And Dave's got the little dainty fat bitch. Yeah. Is there any um, opponents that you or competitors that you've raced against? that you enjoy racing or have fun with or 
All of them. All of them? All oh, of them Oh, you can't. Always. Yeah, that's right. You see no yourself favoritism. as an official no favoritism. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, all of them. I mean, it's always just great to be out on the race track, you know, mm. and going round and round and pushing yourself and especially turn one, I still need to get that mental capacity going, you know, with turn one. That always still gets me, you know. I always do my belts up a little bit tighter because you've got a break on the main straight coming down. You go, come on, do it. No, don't just just touch just touch the brake, just touch it, yeah. and then get back on it. Just touch it and get back on it. No, never. Dave's <laughs> so like, just touch it. I'm like, no. I'm getting better. I, when you race more and more and more, mm. and you do like a, a championship, you definitely get better and better, and better. When you do, you know, one off here and there, and you've had so much time off. So not, when I raced in April, I found it quite difficult to get back into the swing of things. And I definitely liked uh, slicks over semi-slicks. Um, <laughs> yeah. I definitely like being stuck to the road and having that grip <laughs> yeah. where the semi-slicks move all around and I just get all, I don't like it. I get all antsy and whinge to Dave over the radio and he's like, if you're going to come in with that attitude, stay out there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a check. <laughs> he likes to tell me, which is fine. Yeah, that's great that you got a good relationship with your husband. Definitely. That through stuff. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Awesome. Back, We'll go back to Wakefield Park with um, obviously because it's what's going it's what's going through with motorsport in Australia and with, obviously we were talking about basic events like that and Wakefield Park gives that the avenue for that type of thing. With Wakefield Park going through all its – going through what's going to happen with like the future of motorsports in Australia if that track were to shut down do you know what I mean like you obviously everyone wants that track to be there because it gives Eastern Creek's always booked out do you know what I mean you want you want those small circuits to be alive so what's your take on the whole Wakefield Park situation and the future of motorsports if anything was bad to happen to Wakefield oh it'd be tragic yeah. we, we would lose it like another circuit but even another a venue that's mm. different to Sydney Motorsport Park but it just makes it a bit harder to do your state-level series and just any type of series in New South Wales because you'd only be really using the configuration of SMSP. Mm. And, look, they do have a couple of different configurations, but I've, I would I would be very, very upset if it actually goes and completely mm. closes. I know that they're, they're trying every avenue to ensure that it stays and Benello Auto Club are definitely trying to get get through it and work with council and work with ministers and work with different parties to find that balance. I just don't know. Nobody knows where, where it's going to eventuate. We just don't know what the ending's going to be. But it will be seriously tragic if it goes because then, yes, you've only got one real permanent. There is Mount Panorama, but that can only operate so many days a year. And, yeah, you would be using the configurations at SMSP and then trying to compete for dates. Like you said, they're always quite booked out. Mm. Yeah, they're even getting cycling there now. Yes. <laughs> that they're promoting. <laughs> yes. See what I mean? You want, you want open – yeah, I totally agree. You need a track like Wakefield just for the, the beginners of, the, of the, the motorsport world to just get a feel for car racing and that's the easiest place and that's how you fill in love with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, what's your also your take on eSports? Well, during lockdown, we had no racing, as you said, and you got into cooking. What's your take on, like, obviously if tracks start to shut down, do you think esports is an actual avenue for car racing or do you think it's just a computer game? Oh, look, it is. And, look, the younger generation definitely love esports and there's a lot more of them. I think that they're also finding esports a better way for them to get into motorsport because they can't afford track cars. Which, which I get. I mean, I don't like it because I'm not very good at it and I don't, I'm so used to the feel of an actual real race car and the G-forces and, you know, the moving around in the seat and the belts done up tight and all that kind of component where E-Series won't give you that. It'll, I mean, if you've got the ultimate setup, you'll get some sort of G-forces and some sort of movement if you've got the ultimate sim mm. setup. But that's, you know, they can cost up to 50 grand. Like that is a race car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. That is a race car, so. And you weren't really involved in that when the supercars thing did their thing, or how did you? You can't really officiate that, can you? You know, but um, I do know of other clerks that work with me. They do offici- They are clerks, of course, for E Series um, events, and yeah. they do have to give penalties, and they will. They basically kick um, the driver out of the server. Yeah, so right. <laughs> you're like you're excluded, and they boot and they boot them out of the server. So it's quite funny, but yeah, they have to police it, and they do give out penalties yeah. on the E Series, and and it's still warranted because you can't just use somebody as a, a brake marker and just take them out. Yeah. Essentially like half of it ro- rotates to the real thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, Jess, as we come to the end of the podcast, I've got a little 
quiz game for you. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's a brand new thing that I brought up. I was thinking, how can I make season two different to season one? And yeah. I was like, why don't I come up with Hooli's Fast Five? So Hooli's Fast Five is an interesting game, right? Right. So if you get five correct, all five correct, you can get like a fancy like lint chocolate, like an amazing gift, like you, you want to take this home. You and David will be like, check out this, i got five questions right and I won like amazing prize. The, the bad thing is if you get like less than five, you get a pretty weird prize. Like I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's just going to be a very interesting prize. Is this controversial? No, no it's, it's not controversial PG. at all. It's, it's definitely PG. It's, there's, no, there's no R-rated stuff. When I it's say just, this, I was looking with him and some of the things where I was like, this is a section of the store that should – what? Not be selling this, this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but you know, we we go to like we go to like the high retail stores for certain things, right. and then we go to like the two dollar store. So you could get like a range of prize, but this all depends on these five questions. Oh god, here so we I, go. So I hope you know your motorsport facts. No, not really. I'm gonna be worried now. <laughs> okay, this one should be okay. You should oh, maybe no. pass this one. Who is the only driver in the Toyota eighty six series and Formula Four championship to win in the same year? No. You wouldn't know? They're just race car drivers to me. <laughs> I don't know the No. Don't know them. You don't? Okay. That was Will Brown. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm terrible with trivia, so I'm so glad I'm not he in this He did seat. come and speak at one of our driver's briefings and he was brilliant. That's good. That He really got across to um, the drivers, which was really good to see. What's your take on Will Brown? He's a good person, isn't he? Yeah, and a good driver and, yeah. and gets it. So it was really nice to see him just down to earth, literally talking to the drivers, going, don't do what I did here mm. one year, which yeah. was actually really interesting to hear him say that. Mm. So but this is going to go really bad because, <laughs> as oh. I said, there's no favouritism. I don't get yeah. into any of that kind of stuff any because I don't want to look at them going, oh, you're so-and-so. Like, you're just <laughs> a driver to me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's all good. It's, it, you, regardless, you're still going to win a prize, yes. So no. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you should maybe get this answer. How many were entered in the Bathurst 12-hour this year? Oh, God. Wasn't just it? take a stab at it. Just take a stab. 52. No, that's that was that was 2019. <laughs> it was oh. Bathurst six hour. Well, I'll give you another go. It was a low number for Bathurst twelve hour this year because the oh, the, the 20, oh. 23. No, oh, stay, stay on it. Stay on it. We'll give you yes. We'll give you that one. No, because yeah. I did hear because the American they were they had the American series on at the same time and they had both numbers were the same. One had twenty three and one had twenty. Oh, I yeah. did not know this. Yeah, so okay. th- that's why they didn't come over for the twelve hour because they were too busy somewhere oh. else. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Well, there you go. You We've had a lot of events this year doubling up like, and everyone complaining that they can't get to both. Yeah. 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 Who was the last woman to win a Formula Ford championship? That would be, is it Courtney Prince? No. No, but I'll give you another go. She's she's a wife of a supercar driver. Oh, Leanne Tander. That's it. Correct. That's two. You, the <laughs> next one is who won the 2020 Bathurst 1000? 2020. I'll give you a hint. He went over to America. Oh, hang on. Oh, Scotty McLaughlin. There we go. Yeah. You're ahead, by the way, you're ahead of Jimmy Vernon in this in the Fast Five. <laughs> They're like, I'm winning. <laughs> okay, the last answer is who is the who is a current female IndyCar driver who also competed in the V8 Supercar Series? Oh, that's Simona. Yes, four out of five. You know what? Oh, you know what, what Jess? I'm going to give you a actual really cool prize. Oh no, I'm I'm scared. <laughs> no, this is safe. This is safe. <laughs> You can share. The, well, what's which one is he getting? I say it's. There you go. You share it with your husband. Oh, hey, sea salt. Nice. You get sea salt. Lint. Thank you. I'll just leave that there. Sea salt lint, everybody. Sea salt lint. As yep. everyone can see on the camera, that's what this <laughs> one. She is now leading the fast five. Oh, by the no. end of by the end of the season, I will have a leaderboard for that. Oh, cool. And, and Jess, maybe you might win even a bigger prize with coming back on the podcast. Maybe. But, um, yeah, I'm really appreciative that you came on the podcast and Thank you. telling a bit of your story and your take on motorsport and. Yep. Go from there. Thank you. I, I'm really appreciated coming on and nice nice to chat. So thanks very much. No, no thanks, worries, Jess. everyone. Cheers. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of On the Couch with Hooli. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And to help us grow, please leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For extra content, check out our YouTube and social channels. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.